I am so excited about this. I want to welcome you to the Purpose Project Podcast. During our time together, I will teach you how to pray, how to intentionally develop intimacy with your Creator, and challenge you to discover and embrace your God-ordained purposes. I am your host, Margie Florent. My prayer for you today is that you will be empowered and strengthened in the Word of God to move forward into your destiny. So, Heavenly Father, we just come before the throne of God, the throne of grace. And we say yes to the will and the purposes and the plan of God for our lives. And we say yes to the plans and the purposes of God for all the people that we're going to be ministering to and what you've called us to be and called us to do. We pray tonight that you would give us wisdom, revelation, knowledge, insight in how we can be more effective in reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ in a supernatural way. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're going to continue our study. Uh, We started the introduction to the gifts of the Spirit. I'm going to go ahead and review for five minutes. We said never, we're never to build a church or a ministry on the gifts of the Spirit. We're to build a church or a ministry or our lives, whatever it may be, on the Word of God. And we thank God for the gifts of the Spirit. We need the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit and the Word, they agree. We need both. So, but if we have too much word, we dry up, too much spirit, we blow up, we get a combination of both the word and the spirit and the manifestation of our, the spirit of God. And that's when we grow up. We said they're not toys. They aid in the revealing of the pulling down of strongholds of the devil. They equip us for God's service. They help us to meet the need of humanity. Now we said these gifts can operate in your personal life in church meetings, in your prayer time, or one-on-one soul-winning street evangelism. Now, the baptism of the Holy Spirit opens up the door for one to be used in the gifts of the Spirit. And the more we pray in tongues, the more it causes us to be susceptible to be used in these manifestations. Praying in the Spirit enlarges our capacity to be used in the gifts. Now, the reason we're teaching on it is because understanding of the gifts of the Spirit uh, will increase our faith so that we can operate in them. Now, we're going to go ahead and we're going to read 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 14. I know it's a lot of verses, but I think it's important that we do so. It says here, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols as you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but it is the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but it's the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all but the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all the manifestation of the spirit, meaning the manifestation of the gifts of the spirit, which is what we are talking about. And then he goes on to explain what they are for to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit to another, the word of knowledge through the same spirit <clears throat> to another faith 
by the same spirit to another gifts of healings by the same spirit to another working of miracles to another prophecy to another discerning of spirits to another different kinds of tongues to another interpretation of tongues but one in the same spirit works all these things distributing to each one individually as he wills as the holy spirit wills for as the body is one and has many members but the members of that one body being member being many are one body so also is christ for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body whether we're jews or greeks slaves or free we have all been made to drink into one spirit for the for in fact, the body is not one member, but many. So we talked last week that we're to covet the manifestation of the gifts of the spirit to be in operation. Covet means to crave, to desire, to long for. We need to covet these things. We said that the gifts of the spirit cannot be earned. They are gifts and they're called gifts to reveal that there is only one way to obtain them. They are given to the church and are important. These gifts are not optional. The people in the church have missed God in the past by deciding for themselves whether or not they would accept them. They are not placed in the church on a take it or leave it proposition. We either take them or we lose what we have. We said that there is that the number of divine perfection is three. There's the threefold nature of God. There's the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. These three are one, and there are three that bear witness on earth. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. These three agree as one. There's the free, threefold nature of man. In Thessalonians, it says, I pray that your whole spirit, soul, and body would be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord. And we see in the gifts of the Spirit that this mark of divine perfection is seen in the gifts of the Spirit. So there's three primary categories, and within the three categories, there are three subgroups. There's the revelation gifts, the power gifts, and the gifts of inspiration. The revelation gifts are the gifts that reveal something. There's the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, discerning of spirits. Then there's the power gifts. They're the gifts that do something, gift of faith, gifts of healings, working of miracles, and then there's the inspiration gifts. They're the gifts that say something, which is prophecy, diverse kinds of tongues, interpretations of tongues. Now, we also said that these gifts are perfect, but they operate through imperfect vessels, imperfect people. And what we're doing in this time together is we're teaching on the gifts of the spirit, but... For the sake of teaching, we're separating them, but they seldom operate alone. Okay, now they operated in the Old Testament and the New Testament, except tongues and interpretation of tongues. Tongues and interpretation of tongues is for this dispensation only. And it's the church age is this the, the dispensation we live in now. And um the church age was born and birthed in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. So we talked about the word of knowledge. So the word of knowledge is a word of what God knows. And the word of knowledge is always things present 
or things past. So when this gift manifests, the spirit of God is revealing something, a word of what he knows about something that's the present or something that has to do with the past. When it says the word of knowledge, he's not talking about natural knowledge. He's talking about the supernatural knowledge of God. The word of knowledge is the supernatural revelation by the Holy Spirit of certain facts in the mind of God concerning people, places, and things. He knows everything, but he does not reveal everything. And we, when we say a word, we're talking about the fragment, fragmenting part of what God knows, okay? So how do these gifts manifest? They can come through a vision, through a dream, through the vehicle of prophecy, by an inward voice. One may see it, one may hear it, or one may know it. So let's go into what the word of wisdom is. That's the second one we're going to be talking about tonight. The word of wisdom. Again, I'm going to say it. I'm not going to stop saying it. The word of wisdom only operates as the spirit wills. We cannot push a button to get it to turn on. It only operates, the word of wisdom only operates as the spirit wills. Now the word of wisdom, the word of wisdom always speaks of something that is unborn, unborn. It's a part of what God knows. The word of wisdom always speaks of the future. It is a word of wisdom. It is not the gift of wisdom. It is the word of wisdom. <clears throat> the word of wisdom is a supernatural revelation by the spirit of God concerning the plan and the purpose in the mind of God. Again, the word of wisdom, when it's in manifestation, always speaks of the future. How does it come? It can come in an audible voice. It can come in dreams. It can come in a vision. It can come in prophecy. It can come in tongues. And it can come with interpretation of tongues. Okay? Now, these gifts, these manifestations come to us, especially the word of wisdom, to help prepare us for the battles that are coming up the road ahead. Okay? It says in 1 Corinthians 14, 6 through 8, the Apostle Paul said, now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I come to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? Even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they give a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for the battle? So these manifestations of the gifts that reveal something, specifically even the word of wisdom, are in manifestation to help prepare the church, prepare a person, prepare a family, prepare whoever he's speaking to, generally for what is coming up the road ahead. And what I've learned about prophecy, especially as it relates to the word of wisdom, is generally if you get a word of wisdom or a prophecy about something, it generally means that rough road is coming up the road ahead. So some people get really upset because they're like, well, I don't understand why I never get a prophecy. 
I have to say, you should be thankful because the times that I've ever gotten prophecy, especially when it speaks of the future, is because rough road is coming up ahead and these prophecies are given to us that we may war a good warfare. I remember one time I was with um, a singer-songwriter and she was being interviewed up at, um, at TBN. Was it TBN? It was the very popular TV show at the time. And Dick Mills was there with us. She was being interviewed. Dick Mills was a major, like, real prophet back in the day. And generally, he was used with scripture. He would get scripture for people. And then he would, you know, add to it, meaning by the spirit of God, not his own interpretation. But he would add to it. And God would give him a word for someone. Then I remember one time when I was there with my friend, we all got on the bus going back to the hotel and Dick Mills was on the bus and he had just ministered to the people that were in the audience. And he turned to me, he looked at me and he said to me, and I was a kid, I was new in ministry. I was in my early twenties and new in ministry. And I never dreamed that ministry would um, at times have so much betrayal because you think, okay, you're in ministry, you're going to be helping people, but the devil doesn't like anointed people. He doesn't like people that are doing something for God. And, you know, generally speaking, the devil just wants to try to stop us before we even get any kind of momentum, especially in the early years. And Dick Mills, we were on the bus. There was all these people on the bus. He turned to me and he goes to me, he gives me all these scriptures. I tried to find it because I have all my, my, my books of prophecy I wanted to show you. These prophecies are given that you may war the warfare. I have a lot of them in journals and so on and so forth. But he turned to me and he said, he gave me the scripture about Joseph and how Joseph was betrayed by his brothers and he got sold into prison and how at the end of the day, Joseph was eventually raised up by God and that God said to Joseph, you know, that he needed to forgive his brothers at the end of the day, Joseph said, am I not in the place of God? What you meant for evil, God said he's going to turn it around for the good. So Dick Mills prophesied to me that I would be betrayed by my brothers, that I would have to forgive my brothers. And at the end of the day, I would be raised up to be where God ultimately wanted me to be. And I was like, wow, that's a really, what a great prophecy. And I didn't have time to find it, but it's in some of my journals. What a great prophecy. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. And so that was a word of wisdom because right then and there, you know, I didn't have any people betraying me, but as time went on, somehow there was this teaching in the body of Christ by a certain person who was actually jealous of me, you know, back in the day, you know, I, I'm not a, personally, I'm going to be honest. I'm not a jealous person. I don't understand jealousy. I don't understand people who are jealous of people. I was raised with five brothers. I had three other boys in the neighborhood. I'm just not a jealous person. I always am rooting for everyone. I want everybody to like do well, be well, especially as women. I think, you know, we should support each other and undergird one another and cheer each other on. But unfortunately, especially women, they get jealous. And so I didn't know it, but this person was really jealous of me. And at the time she was a quote unquote heavy hitter. And she ended up this whole story, you know, that, and this was a teaching that was going around that I was a false brethren and she was prophesying or saying that this one was a false brethren and that one was a false brethren. And somehow I got labeled as a quote, false brethren. I, I forget even now, like what the whole story was, 
But at the time, I was shocked. I'm a false brethren because there's a scripture that talks about false brethren have, have been raised up unawares and blah, 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 so on and so forth. And I mean, I got labeled as a false brethren and, and a lot of people like thought I was a false brethren and they were listening to her because she was quote unquote a heavy hitter at the time. And then I eventually had to call Rama, the school I went to, and I spoke to the dean. I said, I've been lab labeled a false brethren. And I just explained my situation because in my heart, I felt I really needed to submit to those that are authority, especially since I came out of that school. And long story short, at the end of the day, the cream always rises to the top. At the end of the day, she was shown to be in the wrong. Now she doesn't even actually have a ministry. And she labeled all these people as false brethren, as a false brother. I'm not going to get into the destruction that came into her house, into her life. And I, I, I wish that it had never happened to her. I don't know why it happened to her. It's none of my business. But the, the long and short of it is I had to forgive her. Not only forgive her, I had to forgive all the other people that labeled me as a false brethren. Now, see, now here we are today. But what was that? That was Dick Mills, by the Spirit of God, gave me a word of wisdom. And he was, he was speaking of something that was unborn. It had not yet happened. It took about two years for that word to even come to pass. And when he gave it, I just was like, all right, well, whatever. I didn't try it. Obviously, you're not going to try to make something like that come to pass. But at the end of the day, it did come to pass. And at the end of the day, I did have to forgive her. I did have to forgive some of the other people. And then here we are today. Some of those same people were all friends. We're all building the kingdom together. And nobody really cares. Because if you just stay steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, keep your heart right, keep preaching the word, not some crazy doctrine, and not prophesy stupid things that make no sense, eventually God will vindicate you. But that was a word of wisdom. And here's the thing. That word of prophecy that Dick Mills gave me held me. It kept me steady. And it encouraged me because I was, I'm a very um, sensitive, I'm an empath, introvert. And that could have really destroyed me. But because God came in and gave me that word, it stabilized me. And here's a scripture I want to give you. 1 Timothy 1.18. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. So that prophecy was given to me that I could hold steady and wage good warfare and just continue to be, again, steadfast, immovable, keep preaching the word, keep doing what you're doing. And back in the day, there were no houses of prayer. There was nobody praying. Nobody knew anything about prayer. And my commission as a kid was to go and teach people how to pray. And so the devil saw that. He didn't like it because prayer opens up the door for God to work. So the enemy was like, I'm going to target her, excuse me, but screw her. I'm going to get her and I'm going to bring her down. I'm going to attack her where her weaknesses is, which is my temperament, which at the time I was still young and I was still like, I'm not, I don't have the uh, emotional, like, I know I'm just kind of hardened to difficulties at this point. But back in the day when you're young, you know, you're, you're a lot more sensitive to criticism. And, and one of the marks of spiritual maturity, I remember Kenneth Hagin saying, is you're not moved by criticism and you're not moved by, by praise. So back in the day, I was still kind of young and immature. 
you know, and, and I was could have been really devastated by that criticism. Yes, it did affect me for a while. But nowadays, if somebody criticized me, I'm just like, well, whatever. If they're criticizing me, I don't really care. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm going to keep obeying God. And if they don't get it, it's not my problem. And then even like the whole praise thing. Oh, she's this and she's that. Whatever. You can't let any of it get to your head or get into your heart. You've got to keep your focus and your eyes fixed on Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. No matter what people say, no matter what people do, whether they praise you, whether they criticize you, you've got to reach a point, especially if you've got the call of God on your life, to just keep moving forward. Obey God. I mean, it doesn't mean like, you know, you don't, you know, you don't submit to authority and you don't go to people in authority and talk to them. I mean, I do that all the time. I have people over me, apostolic people. I have peers over me and I bounce things off of them. So that's good to do. It's really good to do because, you know, there's none righteous, no, not one. We don't all know everything. That's why I have a board. That's why in our, our call tonight, you know, we'll have a board meeting come up. And that's what the problem was because we changed, Jeannie changed the password because I have a board. I have people, in, you know, that have the oversight over me and we with one another. But I said all that to say that that prophecy was given me to war a good warfare. Okay. Now we see in Acts 21.10 that here's a, here's a uh, scripture-based uh, example of the word of wisdom and operation in the early church. It says, and we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And when he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound it in his own hands and feet. And he said, now this was prophecy. It came through the vehicle of prophecy. Thus says the Holy Spirit. So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. That was a word of wisdom. That was God was speaking through the prophet um, Agabus, and he spoke of something in the future concerning Paul. Okay. And it came to pass. Okay. And then we see the revelation of the purpose of God for Saul in Acts 9, 10 through 16. Now, there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him, the Lord said in a vision. Now, this came in a vision. And he said, Ananias. Isn't that amazing that the Lord knows our names? He said, Ananias. And, and Ananias said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, arise, go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. We said last week, this is a word of knowledge. The name of the street, Paul is praying. Saul of Tarsus was praying. Okay, go to the house of Judas. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. So there's all these manifestations of the Holy Spirit going on in the book of Acts. As a matter of fact, I, I like to call it not the Acts of the Apostles. I like to call the book of Acts the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was just hovering and moving and revealing and doing and building the kingdom. It was the, the heart of the Father and the heart of the Holy Spirit was to build the kingdom. And so these manifestations were happening to get his key players into position. Okay, so that's what was happening here. So Paul had a vision already that a man named Ananias was going to come in, put his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard so many things about this guy. 
and how much harm he's done to your saints. So he was scared. And here he is the authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. So he was questioning the Lord. But the Lord said to him, go. Now here's the word of wisdom. All of that other that I just read was the word of knowledge. Present what was going on, right? And now here's the word of wisdom. Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings and the children of Israel. Right? That was the word of wisdom. This is what he's called to do. This is what he's called to be. This is what's going on. He's chosen by me. Then he says, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Now, that's that's all speaking of the future concerning Paul and his ministry. And then God was just telling Ananias, go and lay your hands on him. Do what I've called you to do. I have a plan and I have a purpose. I want to use this man. But he did give him some insight. Do you see it? into what was going to happen in the future okay here's some prophecies now this particular prophecy was conditional because you're going to see in this prophecy that hezekiah repented and god gave him 15 more years now not all prophecies are conditional but in this case this one was conditional you know even the prophecy that i received from dick mills that was i would say that was conditional i could have been like no i'm not forgiving that person no i'm not I'm not going to forgive her and I'm not going to forgive all those people. I could have really gotten hard hearted and I could have really been taken off course. But because the Bible says, forgive, if you don't forgive, neither will your father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. I was commanded to forgive and walk in love. So if I hadn't obeyed the word of God, I could have been hardened and never be where I am today. Because the same sun that hardens clay melts ice. So that prophecy could have been conditional but here this one is a definite example of a conditional prophecy second kings 21 through 6 in those days hezekiah was sick and near to death and isaiah the prophet the son of amos came to him and said to him thus says the lord ready he goes set your house in order for you will die and not live <laughs> oh my goodness can you imagine set your house in order because if you, you know, you're going to die and not live. Then he turned his face toward the wall and he prayed to the Lord saying, Oh, remember now, O Lord, I pray how I've walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have. And it happened before, Hezek, before Isaiah had, had gone out into the middle of the court that the word of the Lord came to him saying, Return and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, Thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I've heard your prayers. I have seen your tears and surely I will heal you. And on the third day, you will go up to the house of the Lord and I will add to your days 15 years and I will deliver you and the city from the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend this city for my own sake and for the sake of my, my servant, David. So there, here we see, not only was the, the prophecy conditional, because, uh, because Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall, prayed to God, repented. Then God said, okay, you're not going to die, but I'm going to give you 15 more years. Then he went on to give him a word of wisdom and said, I'm going to deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. And I'm going to defend this city for my own sake. Okay. Then we see in Acts 27. Whew, there's an anointing here tonight. You were right. Acts 27, 21 through 15. Here's another example, okay? Um, 
Long after abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and he said, men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and, in, and incurred this disaster and loss. But now I urge you to take heart. Then he goes on and he speaks about the future for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. There's gonna be no loss, but the ship is gonna be lost. For there stood by me this night an angel of the Lord God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, don't be afraid, Paul. Here's a word of wisdom. Speaking of the future, you must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you, meaning there's going to be no loss of life. Don't worry about it. So this prophecy is given to him to hold him steady, to, to war a good warfare. Indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. Okay. Um, here's another example. Jesus, Luke 22, 31 through 34. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon. Now, here's the word of wisdom operating in the life and ministry of Jesus, which we talked about, that it's really exciting to see this happening in the life of Jesus. And it really defines how he flowed and how he operated. And Jesus did no mighty works till he was baptized in the Holy Spirit, nor did he even operate in the gifts of the Spirit until he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. So here we see the Lord saying, Simon, Simon, you know, behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. In other words, the enemy's going to try to take you out. You're going to deny me three times. This is what's going to happen. Peter couldn't believe it. He said, no. But then Jesus goes on to say, but I prayed for you, Peter. I already prayed for you. I already went ahead of you. I already prepared the way for you. I already prayed for you. He said that your faith should not fail. And then he goes, here's a word of wisdom. We just keep hearing it over and over. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. And then Peter, of course, you know the story. The Lord, he said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And then he said, listen, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny me three times that you know me. What was that? That was a word of wisdom, a word concerning the future. But Jesus already knew the end. He already prayed through on the behalf of Peter that his faith wouldn't fail. And he, Jesus already knew that when Peter was converted, he would be the mouthpiece of God, one of the key players in the early church, he said, when you are converted, go forth and strengthen your brethren. I, you're going to, you're, you're going to, it's all good. Okay. So Ezekiel, through the word of wisdom, foretold the future of all men. Joel prophesied of the last days. Noah was used to warn of future judgment and peril. He built the ark knowing that the flood was coming. You know, think about it. Everybody thought Noah was nuts. But through a word of wisdom, God spoke to him, told him to build the ark, told him what to do. And by faith, Hebrews 11, read the book, read that, that whole chapter, the Hall of Faith fam famers. By faith, Noah built the ark. And, and of course, the floods came and things were destroyed. But that was a word of wisdom. That was God giving Noah a word of what was going to come on the earth. Okay, so... Joseph was told his whole life in a dream, right? His whole life came to him as in a dream. That was the word of wisdom and manifestation. How did it come? It came in a dream. 
Moses received revelation of the law in an audible voice, word of wisdom, the law concerning God's purpose for Israel that came in a word of wisdom. It came in an audible voice. Therefore, it had to be the word of wisdom. Prophets in the Old Testament prophesied regarding Israel's future, the coming Messiah, and events yet to be fulfilled. We need the word of wisdom. We need the manifestation of these gifts of the Spirit. I'm going to give you a couple personal things before we close. I'm not sure if I shared this with you. It's actually in my new book, Contends, Stewarding the Hearts and Destiny of Our Children Through Prayer. I want to show you this piece of paper. And I had a flood in my basement last year on top of everything else that happened last year that was filled with trauma. But here's the original piece of paper. And I had a flood in my basement and that water got into a lot of my journals. And that's why some of it's kind of like messed up. And I remember when I was trying to get pregnant with my kids, I wanted to be pregnant. I wanted to have a baby and wanted to have children. And I was really upset that I had to, had to go the in vitro route. That's what happened. I wasn't believe I was believing. I was confessing. I was as telling God, you know, none will you lose their young by miscarriage. And they'll be barren in the land. I know that you promised me I was going to be the happy mother of children. And I just wanted my faith to work, my womb to conceive miraculously. And so it, it ends up that I ended up in a fertility office. Actually, the doctor was a Christian doctor, Dr. Cooper, ended up in his office. And he was going to be the one that was going to help me through, in, through, in, through just fertility treatment to get pregnant. And I remember going to the doctor's office up in Flemington, New Jersey. I think it was Flemington or Easton. Yeah, it was Easton. And I remember, you know, starting the whole thing and the cycle. And I remember coming home and I was really upset. Like, I was just upset that I had to go the fertility route. I was upset that I, my, quote, faith, the way I wanted it to happen, wasn't, work, quote, working. And, you know, God can use doctors. You guys know that, right? Our faith can work, but doesn't mean that God can't use doctors to get the answers to our prayers. We just have to be open and receptive as to how we're going to receive our miracle. And so I remember, I remember hitting the garage door button, the door going up. I lived in an end unit condo at the time and the, 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 the door went up. I pulled in and when I pulled in, God spoke to me in an inward voice and the spirit of God said to me, he said to me, you are going to have twins in your first pregnancy and a singleton in your second. And in your second pregnancy, you will get pregnant on your own. And I was like, okay. And this is the original piece of paper. I wrote it down because I had that, the paper in the car, took the pen up, wrote it down. And it says right here, you're going to be the happy mother of three. And then I wrote down twins and singleton. And you know what? I went through the whole entire in vitro cycle, and this is very rare. I mean, hey, no, we're going to believe God if anybody needs uh, fertility treatment that this happens to you. But for me, what happened is I got pregnant the very first shot, the very first time we did all the shots and all the all the treatment that they do for in vitro. I literally got pregnant the very first shot, and they implanted. What had happened is they implanted three embryos. And I ended up with two babies. So the word of the Lord came to pass. That was a word of wisdom. You're going to have twins in your first pregnancy and a singleton in your second. So that was a word of wisdom. And sure enough, 
I had the babies, but here's the thing. The babies came early, then I had to fight for them, you know, because prophecy is given that you may war good warfare. And I said to the Lord, you promised me I'd be the happy mother of twins. You promised me I'd be the happy mother of children. Now the devil's trying to steal my kids. You're born premature by about nine weeks. Danielle wasn't breathing. I just started praying right then and there in the delivery room. A weapon formed against my kids will prosper. No devil, you can't have them. God promised me I had to fight for them. Prophecy is given that you can war a good warfare. Okay, so long story short, they were in the hospital for six weeks. They came home. They let me take the kids home. Danielle was four and a half pounds. Jonathan was five pounds. I had several other things that went on with Danielle. And then about seven months after they were born, well, actually about, uh, about three or four months after the twins were born, I didn't feel good, didn't feel good at all. And I thought maybe it's because I'm up day and night feeding the twins and Danielle had something going on with her mouth and I had to make her a bottle so that she could swallow the food or the, or the uh, formula. And I thought, why do I don't feel good? I was extremely tired, so sick. And this went on for like five months. Eventually I went to the doctor and he said, listen, are you pregnant? I said, I'm not pregnant. No, I'm not pregnant. He said, I'm going to give you medication that kills parasites. He said, but you can't be pregnant and take this medication. I said, I'm not pregnant. No worries. I'd start taking the medication and as God is my witness, I could still remember this day, something on the inside of me stopped, said, stop taking the medication. I probably took it for like two days. Stop taking the medication, stop taking the medication and come to find out seven months after the twins were born, I found out I was a full five months pregnant. Got it? So what does that mean? That was a word of wisdom. He foretold the future. He told me what was going to happen, but here's, here's how God operates. He didn't tell me the whole story. He didn't tell me you're going to have three kids in one year. You know, that, that, that is like, that's a situation, three babies in one year. So you could get the word of wisdom, the one, the word of what God does, but he doesn't tell you the whole story. Cause I think if the Lord told us the whole story, you know, I probably would have freaked out, right? I mean, wouldn't you? But here's the, here's the thing. I was really happy to have the kids. It was the most enjoyable time in my life. So I'm going to give you, I'm going to read you something before we close. I want to read you something. And this, this is a little long, but it's going to be interesting, I think, to you. Because none of this at the time, you would have never dreamed it was possible. You wouldn't believe it could ever be. But this was April 17th, 1984. I was in a church in Buffalo, New York, and I didn't plan it. Nobody planned it. It was the kind of church that um, developed, or uh, how do I say, they created an atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to operate and to move. And because they... Um, they honored the, the gift that was in me and they received who I was in my calling and my gifting. It opened up the door for God to work. And therefore the gift that was in me was unwrapped. And it makes a big difference. If you go into a church, those of you that are called into the ministry, if you go into a church, they don't like you. They don't receive you. They don't like prophets. They despise prophesying. They don't want the gifts of the spirit. You will be shut down because all of that attitude hinders the Holy Spirit from manifesting himself. Remember, we said that the, the gifts of the, the Spirit 
are a plus. They're not a minus. They don't take away, they add to, and they help us to fulfill the destiny of God in the earth. And we need these manifestations. So this prophecy that I'm going to read to you is from April 17th. Think about this, 1984. Somebody do the math. You, we could talk about how many years ago this was. And this was a prophecy about America. I got up, I had all my notes, and the Holy Ghost came upon me. I was a kid. Think about it, 1984. That was, you know, how many years ago, right? So here, here's what happened. I had a prophecy about America. And here, here's, here's what the Spirit said. He said, America is in tradition, but oh, America is going to come out of that tradition, out of the darkness and the obscurity that has had her bound, and light is going to rise from America, and it is going to shine to all the world around. Now, notice it even rhymes. Sometimes you can prophesy in rhymes. I've done that. America is going to return to her first love. They are going to praise the Lord of hosts from above. See the rhyme? America is about to see her finest hour. And I still believe that this prophecy is parts of this is yet still hasn't come to pass. Other parts of it, as I read, you're going to see has come to pass. Shockingly so. America is about to see her finest hour. The glory of God is going to rise from this nation. Yes, the glory of the risen Christ. Those politicians that will not get into the mainstream and the flow of God are going to be removed by the finger of God and the fire of God for judgment is beginning in America. Yes, great judgment is falling even now on those who have resisted the work of God, who are in places of authority and the light is going to move in those Christians that are set in key positions. They're going to move into those places of authority where ungodly men have ruled. Those lights, those Christians, are then going to speak as the oracles of God concerning America. Yay, yay, I can see them all sitting around, godly men, godly women, godly counsel. And I think what happened at that moment, I started, this, the spirit of seeing came into manifestation, which I didn't do much back in that day. Now I do it more than ever. But back in that day, when I was still young and learning how to, op not learning, it's just, it's just, I don't know, the Lord just takes you in degrees and from glory to glory to glory. Back then, I didn't really see like I do now. Oh, America, yeah, yeah, and the music. Now, this was something we did not see back in that day. And the music, it is going to get worse and worse and worse. And blood and witchcraft are going to be openly used, used by the rulers of the darkness of this world. That wasn't happening in 1984. Think about it, okay? Now, I can tell you straight up that some of these guys that do the stuff that they're doing, they're literally practicing witchcraft right on stage, right in these concerts. It's happened in the last five to 10 years. So this was a word of wisdom. God was saying this was gonna happen. Whereas back then, it didn't. Another person, um, I'm not gonna mention her name, but... You know, she literally on stage was crowned the queen of heaven. She had the whole thing going on. These people, let me tell you, literally worship Satan. And now publicly, they have rituals and they have things that they're doing. And some of us who know what's going on, we're not blinded by that. We can see it. Whereas other people, they don't even realize, oh, she's, she's being carried on a chair and she's pregnant and she's. Got, he named her daughter Ivy and all these names. These are all pagan 
symbolic names for all the things that they're practicing in this time in the season that we're in today. Okay. So anyway, so the Lord said, they're going to be openly used by the rulers of the darkness in this world. Men and women who have yielded over to the devil's kingdom, they will begin to openly worship Satan as Lord and God of this age and of this hour. But don't be dismayed and don't fear for godly trumpeters are rising up in the land. Godly musicians are rising up in this land. Yes, godly musicians on the right, godly anointed musicians on the left. And the light and the music that they sing and play is going to supersede the darkness and is going to put out the darkness and the light is going to cover the darkness. The music has been a tool of the enemy to draw many away unto lust, unto sin, unto darkness, and unto rebellion. Isn't, isn't witchcraft as the sin of rebellion, right? We know that, right? It has been a great tool of the enemy for he has perverted that which is good. But God is moving on the insides of the righteous and their music and their worship is going to come from heaven to earth. And their worship is going to avail much in this latter house, this generation. And the glory of this latter house will be greater than that of the former. Yay, yay, yay. So hold fast until the end. Yes, lift up your eyes and look for the end is coming. And the end is drawing nigh. Don't be afraid. Don't be concerned. Just flow with me and I will lead you. I will guide you. Yes. I am going to take many of my ministers into higher realms of glory. Those that have laid down their lives and died to the self-life and the things that they desire to do. I'm going to bring great exaltation. Many ministers will fall in this hour. You're going to see the fall of many ministries that have been built on man's ways, man's ideas, and the works of the flesh. Now, we saw that, didn't we? We won't go into detail. Don't be dismayed. Keep your eyes on me. Look unto me, don't look to man, look unto me and those ministries that are humble before me, those ministries that have laid down the self-life and have let me build the house and, own, and have only looked to me and in whose motives have been pure and upright, I'm going to exalt them. Exaltation is coming in the form of anointing and power and demonstration. And I will bring them before great men. Yes, yes, so watch thou in all things, my people, be alert, be active, Watch over your households, watch over your marriages, watch over your children for spirits of divorce have been loosed into the earth as such as like has never been before for yay, you will, you don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Yes. Nor against one another, but against spirits that that witchcraft has loosed against families. And we found out from John Ramirez that these witches and these warlocks that are in the earth today that practice this stuff. They have literally put curses on marriages, curses on families, curses on leaders. This stuff is real. And that's why we need the gifts of the spirit. And next week we'll talk about discerning of spirits so we can understand what exactly we're coming against. But against spirits of witchcraft that has been loose against families and homes and marriages by the enemy. For the enemy's camp has been loosing and releasing fiery darts against marriages and against your children. Homosexual spirits, keep them off of your children. I will give you discerning in that hour and you will see with the eyes of the spirit. Don't be suspicious, but be discerning. Be as wise as serpents and harmless as doves and don't be afraid of the supernatural. Don't draw back. Some even now are drawing back. Oh, flow with me, says the Lord, for I desire to take you in, take you higher, move you, move you faster. Don't tie my hands for these are the last days. Now, can you imagine 
and then you can see that this was in the flood. It's, it's, it's wet, it was wet, now it's stained. But that was 1984. And look where we are today. That was a word of wisdom, a word of what God knows. He said several things. Now, you know, I don't always get to prophesy like that. It's, it's a lot of fun. I did have a prophecy like that in one of our KIU events about the body of Christ and the church. But you can't make that up. You can't make it happen. It's got to come as the Spirit wills. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Project podcast. For more content, video, and teachings like this, visit margieflorent.org.